1: To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee, sounds perfect.
0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Molly. And Molly, today is a very special day. Today we're recording this, not the day it airs. Right. Today, we got to wish happy birthday to a very special news anchor, and I'm not talking about Silver Fox, (laughs) Anderson Cooper, AC360. It's Brian Williams' birthday. Brian Williams, I got to
2: say, is my favorite. I know you're supposed to be objective and hide your biases, but I want to hang out with Brian Williams. I just want to like... Drink a beer and do the crossword with them, which is what I told Kristen earlier. Cameo on 30 Rock with him. Yeah, I'll wait in the green room while he does the Daily Show. Yeah. I mean, I just want to hang out. Let's you go see. get Chinese food, Brian Williams.
1: But uh, what, what about, what if Kitty Couric was like, hey, I'll hang out with you instead. I make so much money. We can do lots of things that moneyed people do.
2: <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't turn down an opportunity like that. But I gotta say, Brian Williams is where it's at for me. And I, I've kind of been grappling with that because today is the second part of our Women in Journalism Spectacular. Mm -hmm. And today we're talking about anchors.
1: Anchors.
2: And all the news about anchors and particularly in, uh, the 6pm, 6.30pm, depending on where you live, uh, national news
1: time slot. All the news is about Katie Kirk. Yeah, I feel like someone there there are reporters out there who are assigned to a Katie Kirk beat. <laughs> any any change in any contract clause this woman has somehow makes it to the top of the news feed and I find it fascinating. Um because well, she, she broke a, a significant barrier. Yeah. She became the first woman to solo host. Yes. Uh, the national news, as opposed to Connie Chung, who did a dual hosting with Peter Jennings. Barbara from, Walters also did co-host. Yes, from ninety three to ninety five, B Walt B B Walters, <laughs> Oh B Waltz. Did she, it? She co-hosted, but
2: Katie was solo, flying solo. And yeah. if you remember those months before she took the anchor chair. The speculation was at a fever pitch. I mean, what is
1: she going to
2: do with that desk? I don't want to overstate it, Kristen, but it kind of rem- reminded me of some royal wedding coverage. It was yeah, like, it was. what is she going to wear? Will you be able to see her legs? Is yeah. she going to be as perky as she is on the Today Show or will she be more sober when she's reporting really sad news? You know, will she do interviews? Will it, will, will it... she make pancakes? <laughs> yeah, it was crazy it because was people were just saying this is an iconic moment for women as a whole. I didn't realize it was until the papers told me that this woman, for the first time, was taking on a position that was very male, very white, and fairly old. And so, you know, Katie Kirk, you know, related to some of the other people, not Brian Brian Williams, of course. Of course. Was uh, much younger than other people who'd held the chair. So it was. You know, it, she became this symbol that everyone had to project everything onto. And now that the news has come that she's stepping down, everyone's in a tizzy, like, what does this mean for women? Sure, we've had Diane Sawyer take the star, take the chair in the meantime, but what does it mean that Katie Couric couldn't make this work? And that she, she was a third-rated
1: newscast, and what does it all mean for and, women? And who's taking over? A man. a man, Scott, Scott Pelly, is that how you say his last name? Pelly? I think so. Um, yeah, he's, he's taking over and, and a fine gent at that. Yeah. Nothing, nothing, nothing against, against him. Scotty, but I just want to know why we get so in, in such a tizzy, in such a whirly gig about who's sitting at the news desk at NBC, ABC, and CBS because. When it comes to local news stations, the question we posed with this podcast episode is, where are the women anchors? Answer, local everywhere. stations. Yeah, they're everywhere. They're
2: <laughs> I mean, everywhere except those three chairs, and now they were in two of them for a really long time. Yeah, in
1: Atlanta, I mean, we've got Monica Kaufman, Javita Moore, they're just women coming out the wazoo. I grew up with a
2: female news anchor. Like, this wouldn't have, if you had had me list off the, you know, top five professions I could think of where women were always there. Local news reporter. News anchor. And, um, And so, yeah, and and that's what The Washington Post highlighted in a 2006 piece, is that every audition tape that network managers get for on-air talent, it's all women. It's a lot of ladies.
1: And uh, I got got some more stats to throw at you. Here we go. Where are the women anchors? Locally, they're there, because 57% of the positions um, in Nationwide Survey it's all women. Women account for more than half of TV reporters, 58 uh, percent, half of middle managers and executive producers, news producers and news writers. Now, when we come to news directors, then we get a little more male skewed. But it's a lot of gals out there. And it might be because two thirds of the bachelor's degrees in journalism and mass comm are going to the ladies.
2: Well, and it also might be according to the Washington Post that news anchor is not the um, you know, landmark job that it used to be. Right. Um, if you're local, you may not be paid very much. People are saying $20,000. People are saying the the men are just kind of seeing that this is not the career path to choose. There are better and more lucrative ways to make money in journalism. But and that, and that's from the local thing. I mean, maybe that's why the the local men are opting out. But on the national scale, it's just you can't get away from these big three seats yeah. and, and why women are in them or not in them.
1: Yeah, and obviously, since we talked about money, the main networks obviously will bring you a lot more cash. For instance, Ms. Barbara Walters, B. Waltz, mm-hmm. made broadcast history in 1976 when she inked a million-dollar deal with ABC.
2: And you know to bring up Barbara Walters, you still see Barbara Walters everywhere on television. Oh, yeah. She's on the view, she's Sue 2020. People might be confused about why this is an issue because if you watch, you know, 60 minutes, you watch um MSNBC Good Morning America, or Fox or a morning show, yeah, you see women everywhere. There's always a co-host who's female or um they anchor their own shows like the Rachel Maddow yeah. show. Um and so people are like, "Oh, you see plenty of women reading the news, but People keep separating out this 30-minute national news slot. Right. So yeah, in terms of like news magazines, morning shows, and those things make more money for the networks than the national news do. Mm-hmm. In terms of those, I think women are still represented well and making some pretty cool strides. There was a good article by Rebecca Traister about how the 2008 election, in which we had Hillary Clinton and Sarah Palin. Really allowed women to shine mm-hmm. because, um, you know, sometimes they talk about how when Charlie Gibson interviewed Sarah Palin, for example, it came across as very condescending, a right. male bullying a woman. Whereas when it was Katie Couric, they were saying that, you know, while the outcome may not have been very good for Sarah Palin, that was the famous, um, what newspaper do you read right, interview. Right. Um, you know, it didn't, it came across as two women talking and sparring as opposed to like a sexist battle. So they're saying that, you know, having women in the election gave uh, these re- female reporters a chance to shine on television or when Campbell Brown said, hey, we need to stop talking about what Hillary Clinton and Sarah Palin are wearing because we're not talking about how much, you know, Junk. Barack Obama's suits cost. Right,
1: right. Uh, but this issue with women in the anchor seat in the networks, not we, we've we answered the question of, of where they are and they're all in the local seats and that mm-hmm. seems A-OK. But in the network seats, this G word comes up over and over and over again. And I did not have time to go back and trace the history of it. But Molly, can you please let our fair listeners know what women don't have that they need in order to anchor CBS, NBC, or ABC Evening News? The G word is gravitas.
2: Gravitas.
1: And, uh, this was the big
2: question that came across when Katie Kirk was going to take over CBS. Katie Kirk had done the Today Show and was known for being perky. You know, someone who could wake you up at 7 a.m. with, you know, hey, hey, a little, guys. little cup, of, cup of coffee, a little Java. But they're saying that to be in that anchor seat, you've got to have gravitas. You've got to have this uh, ability to be solemn and serious and to command authority uh, when news strikes. People often talk about like that Walter Cronkite moment yes. where he announced that JFK was dead. That that person you can turn to when the world g- turns upside down, people are saying that women don't have that authority yet, that they do not have the gravitas to anchor, you know, a 9-11 or, you know, just this past week we had the death of Osama bin Laden. And they're saying that if people turn on the television, you know, you think back in the old days, you turn on the television, Peter Jenks was there. Mm-hmm. And that was reassuring. It was reassuring to me last week when I saw Brian Williams talking about Osama bin Laden. But they're saying... That people, by and large, are not ready to have a woman tell them that we've gone to war or, you know, we've been attacked or something like that. And that'll be I mean, we can't answer the question,
1: but that's what tons of analysts tried to do. But see, that's such bunk, because in our last episode on Women Reporters, we pointed out how. Editors, uh, broadcasts especially, love to have women out in the field in combat zones. A pretty woman. A pretty woman in a flak jacket. Yeah. Great for ratings.
2: Yeah. In fact, you know, kind of on a side note, they did this really funny study about um sexy anchors. Mm-hmm. and uh, <coughs> Fox News. <laughs> um, it was this study where they had a really beautiful anchor and a really tight uh, suit jacket and a really low cut, like, you know, top mm-hmm. reading the news versus one who was very buttoned up and, um, no skin showing or whatsoever. And they asked the men, uh, recall questions about what they just heard right. uh, on the news. And when the, when the sexy anchor read the news, the men remembered none of it. Uh, and when the plain Jane read the news, they were all like, I remember everything she said. So yeah, I mean, a lot of people probably locally too, that's probably why they've gotten, you know, so, so ingrained in our, in our news, uh, fabric is, you know, pretty women get
1: viewers except with except these major the national news <laughs> yeah and one interesting story we haven't talked about yet is Diane Sawyer who is often overshadowed by Katie Couric mm. i don't understand why Diane Sawyer is great um, and i know i'm not the only one who feels that way but <laughs> she she had an interesting story because she was um, looked over for the abc Chair. Right. And, uh, her Good Morning America co-host, Charles Gibson, got it instead. Yeah, but you know, we found this really interesting
2: New York Times article from 2002. Um, it was right after they'd named Brian Williams to take over for Tom Brokaw. And there are a few quotes in there from Diane Sawyer where she kind of makes it sound like she doesn't want the job. Mm-hmm. She's very demure. Like, you know, yeah. it kind of brings up other issues about women in the workplace and whether they uh, bargain hard enough for that promotion. Mm-hmm. Because reading these quotes, it was sort of like, oh, you don't really want this. Do you, Diane? Or do you? Like, you know, I feel like she was someone who just kind of waited her turn. Whereas I think Katie went forward and said, I'm going to break this barrier. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the question you have to ask in any profession is, are women going for it hard enough? But... Um, I do think Diane's kind of an interesting case because she didn't get the gravitas question quite as much, even though she, too, was coming from Good Morning America, a morning show.
1: Uh, Now, speaking of breaking barriers, Molly, we've been talking about a lot of white people. Yeah, the news is very white. It's extremely white on broadcast news, well, at least network-wise. I think when you get down to the local level, you get some more diversity. But um, when we were going over all of this, it, I, I thought it was, it was almost comical to a point where we were talking about like, where are all these women? Because the, the question isn't necessarily where are all these women, but, uh, what's up with all these white people? It's just a sea of white people. And in terms of breaking barriers, the one historical anecdote that I would like to share, um, uh, is about a woman named Melba Tolliver. Mm-hmm. who in 1967 was the first black person to anchor a news program on television. And this was, I believe it was an ABC news show. And she took over for a lady named Marlene Sanders, who was on a newsroom strike during the time. Mm-hmm. So they brought in Melba. And I just love this story because the name of the news show that she anchored was called News with a Woman's Touch. Oh, man, I can't believe that title's Taken. I know. We could have made magic with that and title. And I, I try to find it on YouTube. If anyone can find a clip from News with a Woman's Touch, please send it our way, com. because I, I really want to see it. <laughs> but yeah, Melba Tolliver, she's breaking some barriers. All
2: right. So, you know, if we've got diversity to some degree on the local scale and we definitely have women representing on the local scale, mm-hmm. I do think it'll be interesting to see what happens on the national scale in like a generation. Because yeah. one point that was made in the 2002 New York Times piece is that when they're looking for these male anchors to take on the national news, the men are the ones who've been there for generation, for decades, you know, sure. women are a little bit behind in the broadcast news because there was a big stereotype in like the seventies and sixties that a woman just couldn't read the news. Yeah. And we overcame that. We're now they're on the local, so it'll be interesting to see what happens in a generation. But, but the question has to be asked: Will it matter in a generation?
1: Not even in a generation, Molly. The does in five this, years, two years. Right now, yeah. does it even matter who is anchoring our network news at night? Because. Here we go, kids. Here's, here's the bad news. All right. The, and this is from Slate, and I believe this is from this year. This was on the news that, that Kirk was leaving CBS Evening News. The evening news programs at the three commercial broadcast networks have lost, here it is, kids, 55.5% of their audience since 1980. Uh, so who's gonna who's are we gonna watching? have it? Yeah, who I mean, who watches it with the
2: internet? If you can get your news right there, are you gonna make an appointment to be in front of your TV at six or six thirty or seven, or we just look on the internet?
1: Well, and it's not just the internet. It's it's also I think eyeballs have shifted from maybe the evening news desk to more primetime news magazines, right? Like the Rachel Maddow Show. Or John Stewart, or John Stewart, for which better or for worse, is technically a comedy show. It's technically <laughs> comedy, but a lot of people consider it their news source.
2: So yeah, it'll be interesting to see if these shows eventually die out. But I mean, every time you talk about them dying out, someone does show that clip of Walter Cronkite as this epitome of what a country needs when something goes down. So I think it'll be interesting to see because you know the question was raised if these shows will disappear. Um, or if they have lost their entire prestige as something that is must must see viewing every mm-hmm. day, you know, does it matter if a woman gets the job, or will women finally, you know, anchor all three seats, but no one will care because we don't watch the evening news. So yeah. it's something to watch,
1: something yeah, to watch indeed. So let us know what you think. does it does it matter? Um, would you rather hang out with Katie Kirk or Brian Williams? <laughs> I don't know, really. Anything well, not, you, you
2: know, it comes down to person. I mean, you know, we make generalizations, but, it's not that I am a bad feminist. I just prefer Brian Wayne.
1: <laughs> and, and I don't think it's because he's a man. It's because he's so funny. It's okay. All you're kidding me. I'm just getting a little worked up in here. Uh, so in the meantime, let's read a couple of letters.
2: I have one here from Michael, and it's on an oldie but goodie uh, episode on female superheroes. And it's never too late to send in a thought on some of our episodes. People sometimes start up their emails like, hope this isn't too late. It's never too late. Uh, about superheroes, Michael writes, One superheroine-slash-villain you didn't talk about was Marvel's Ember Frost, or White Queen. She started out as a villain, and she used her looks and telepathy to get ahead in life because she knew she had power over males, and she felt no qualms in using it as such. She's very self-assured, and she even managed to work her way to the top of an elite, mostly male-dominated club. Eventually, she ended up gaining another superpower she can turn her body into a flexible, organic diamond. Eamon is, is near, nearly always shown as self-assured, and she really doesn't need a man, but she likes to keep them around. Now, I'm not saying she should be a role model for young girls because she's notoriously vain, and she also dresses in lingerie and flaunts her body and receives criticisms because of it. But all too often, she's overlooked, but she's an interesting character with a very deep struggle about being good. She often tries, but every time she does, she's faced with her evil demons, and she's extremely fun because she has a very sharp and often binding wit. And uh, I just will say myself, this is what Michael wrote, but I don't think that's the first email we've, we've read about Emma Frost. Mm-hmm. But I would say that since that episode came out, she is the number one lady cited in terms of the Female Superhero really? Podcast.
1: Well, I've got an email here also from an older episode. This was on our female screenwriters and playwrights and Oscar episodes. A lot of episodes, actually. So this is from Sasha, and she is an aspiring screenwriter moving up the ranks. She says that the lack of representation of women in the industry, especially for kids, really is appalling. And she shares a couple of anecdotes. After college, I was interviewed for a job at a production company that focuses on developing kids' TV shows. I was so excited because I'm really interested in all that wonderful stuff. And in my interview, though, the head of their development department laid it out on the table. No one wants TV shows for girls. Girls don't watch shows for girls. Boys don't watch shows for for girls. (laughs) The channels that only only buy shows that are either gender neutral or for boys. He blamed it on young girls watching shows above their age groups because they mature so early. But I don't buy it. I think it's easier to buy and sell shows for boys, and so they do that, perpetuating this belief that girls don't watch age-oriented TV, which is just ridiculous. And she also shares that I've had two writing jobs where the producer asked to read one of my scripts. While they both enjoyed my script and thought it was well written, they both told me the same thing. No one is going to want to buy a script about a mom and a daughter. And it's good, but there are too many women in it. The script is a comedy and has a 50-50 women-men ratio in terms of characters. Both the producers were men, and it's tough hearing comments like that when you're first starting out, and I have no doubt that some lady writers cave to that kind of pressure. No worries, though. I'm going to keep pressing on. Ladies need a voice, and I'm going to write with it. And Hooray! Three cheers for you, Sasha, and all of our other aspiring professionals, both male and female, out in the audience. So if you have any thoughts to send our way, again, our email address is HowstuffWorks.com. We'd love for you to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Our handle there is at momstuffpodcast. And finally, why don't you read what we're doing during the week on our blog. It's Stuff Mom Never Told You from howstuffworks.com.
0: Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House to Forks staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The House to Forks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready, are you? This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection